Vox Quick Hits. Matthew Iglesias, Darren Lind, and Ian Milheiser with The Weeds. Our, our question today is, what is the biggest thing that Congress can do to protect voting rights uh, at a time when they're coming under some attack? So I, I think that what I immediately gravitate to here is something that I think is not the same thing as what I think both of you are going to be discussing. But I think it's worth pointing out that a lot of the conversation around voting rights in the last I guess, ever since the Voting Rights Act was initially passed in 1965, but certainly since the 1980s, has been about are the problems of the mid-20th century and the kind of apartheid system of Jim Crow still relevant enough to our current landscape that like having this 1965 law on the books is the answer, or is it a relic of a period that we've moved past partly thanks to that law? And like obviously the Supreme Court's line has been, this is largely atavistic, we can get rid of it, you know, without causing great harm to marginalized groups of non-white voters. But at the same time, there has been something of of a disconnect between the places that are passing restrictive voting laws and the places that were the Jim Crow South itself, right? Like as it's become less about explicitly stopping Black people from voting and more about the party in power wants to make it easier for their constituents to vote and harder for the other party's constituents to vote. You know, you've seen restrictive voting laws pop up in a lot of places that weren't included in the original Voting Rights Act because they didn't have Jim Crow legacies. And, you know, one of the things that Democrats are now proposing as part of their kind of package of two voting related bills that have passed out of the House is making it easier for the federal government to look at a jurisdiction and say, okay, we're now adding you to the list of jurisdictions that require what's called preclearance. Like you are going to have to ask the federal government essentially for permission if you're going to change your voting laws so that we can look at it and go, is this something that's trying to do an end run around voting rights? That's trying to restrict voting rights in a way that is impermissible for democracy or especially impermissible for racial equality. And that kind of what's called bailing into preclearance is, I think, something that answers a question that a lot of, you know, not just politicians, but normal people can reasonably have, which is, is it really fair to the states that were historically in the Jim Crow South that they have to ask the federal government for permission and nobody else does? Yeah, I mean, I think if you gave me a magic wand that I could use to create two voting rights protections, the first would be to do what Dara said. I I, I would bring back not just a strong preclearance regime, but I would make it fairly easy for states that engage in racist practices to get bailed in. And the reason for that is because it's just really inconvenient to be subject to preclearance because not just your racial laws have to be screened, literally every election law that you pass has to be screened. And so that if a state knows that if they screw around, they could be subject to that, it has a real deterrent value that may stop them from doing it in the first place. And race matters a lot because, again, like 80 to 90 percent of African-Americans vote for Democrats and about 60 to 70 percent of Latinos vote for Democrats. So Republicans know that they can use race as a proxy to identify who they want to disenfranchise. Um, The second change I would make, since my magic wand gives me two wishes, I would have independent redistricting commissions in all states. And the reason for that is because there just isn't a way for parties to get around gerrymandering once bad districts are drawn. You know, if if 70 percent of the vote 
voters in your district are Republicans, then that district is going to elect a Republican. And it no amount of like smart campaigning is going to overcome that. So I think we want voters to choose their leaders. We don't want leaders to choose their voters. And that means that you have to have strong protections against gerrymandering. I totally agree. And I think that the gerrymandering issue, you know, has become a little less um, legally ripe after some decisions that the Supreme Court has already made. But that's all the more reason that it is substantively important from a, a legislative perspective. Also to say it really matters what the details of anti-gerrymandering rules are. The impact of rules that prioritize like uh, clean looking lines is very different from rules that prioritize, it's called partisan fairness criteria. Um, but, you know, trying to create election outcomes that are roughly proportionate versus just sort of aesthetics of various aspects of the map. Uh, because, you know, this is our biggest issue. It's the issue, everything else comes downstream from it. Right. That you have state legislatures in states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan that have really insulated themselves from popular backlash. And that then gives them free reign to handle all the other aspects of election administration in a way that totally disregards sort of normal, not super political people's um, like desire for life to be convenient and and fair and and you know that's i just think far and away like the the core of political dysfunction in the united states right now is the ability of state legislative majorities to entrench themselves in this incredibly profound way to hear more subscribe to the weeds wherever you get your podcasts